This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, May 19th. I'm Kate Trinka. And I'm Doug Blair. Companies like Disney and Nike have become more woke and frequently make the news for their radical political positions. Employees of these companies frequently push the larger business to move even further left and take even more woke positions. But what happens if someone is an employee of a woke company and isn't woke themselves? Terry Pell, president at the Center for Individual Rights, says that the consequences of that can be dire. He joins the show today to discuss how the woke took over business and how we can counter them. But before we get to Doug's conversation with Terry Pell, let's hit our top stories of the day. After less than a month, the controversial Disinformation Governance Board appears to be dead. The Washington Post reported that the Department of Homeland Security made the internal decision to shut the board down. Following that decision, on Wednesday, the board's executive director, Nina Jankowicz, officially resigned. In a statement announcing her resignation, Jankowicz said, With the board's work paused and its future uncertain, I have decided to leave DHS to return to my work in the public sphere. It is deeply disappointing that mischaracterizations of the board became a distraction from the department's vital work. In a statement to the Post, a department spokesperson said, Nina Jankowicz has been subjected to unjustified and vile personal attacks and physical threats. In congressional hearings and in media interviews, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has repeatedly defended her as eminently qualified and underscored the importance of the department's disinformation work and he will continue to do so. The Department of Homeland Security is getting ready to deal with potential violence after the ruling in the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case. It's possible that the justices will vote to overturn Roe v. Wade in that ruling. Axios, citing a Department of Homeland Security memo, reports, law enforcement agencies are investigating social media threats to burn down or storm the Supreme Court building and murder justices and their clerks, as well as attacks targeting places of worship and abortion clinics. A leaked draft authored by Justice Stephen Alito indicated that five justices are willing to overturn Roe, which would likely make the issue of abortion up to the states. Investors were surprised Wednesday after Tesla was removed from the S&P 500 ESG index. The S&P Dow Jones Indices website defines the ESG index as measuring the stocks of companies meeting select sustainability criteria. It is similar to the normal S&P index, but is more limited in which companies are involved. S&P Dow Jones Indices cited racial discrimination claims and crashes connected with the company's autopilot vehicles as justification for the removal. Additionally, senior director and head of ESG Indices, North America, Maggie Dorn, cited Tesla's lack of low-carbon strategy and codes of business conduct in a blog post announcing the decision. Tesla CEO Elon Musk quickly hit back, posting on Twitter, Exxon is rated top 10 best in the world for environment, social, and governance, ESG, by S&P 500, while Tesla didn't make the list. ESG is a scam. It has been weaponized by phony social justice warriors. S&P Global Ratings has lost their integrity. Well, this isn't a record that Americans wanted to hit. According to AAA, as cited by The Hill, every single state now has an average gas price of above $4 a gallon. The national average of price per gallon is now an astonishing $4.48. 
That's almost $1.50 more than the price per gallon was a year ago. And in some states, it's even higher. In California, the average price per gallon is now over $6. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Terry Pell as we discuss woke corporations. For over 35 years, the Heritage Foundation Job Bank has been helping conservatives at all professional levels find employment in key positions in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We can help connect you with positions in the administration, on Capitol Hill, in public policy organizations, and in the private sector. To learn more about the Heritage Foundation Job Bank, go to heritage.org job bank. My guest today is Terry Pell, president at the Center for Individual Rights. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We hear a lot about wokeness at the top of a lot of these corporations like Disney or BlackRock, but we don't necessarily hear as much about the day-to-day operations and how wokeness impacts that. So is there a lot of wokeness present in the normal goings-on of a lot of these corporations? Well, yes, and the American people are starting to notice this. There's a recent poll that 84% of adults think that Americans no longer speak freely in everyday situations. And 58% of the respondents to this poll said uh, that they personally held their tongue sometime in the past year due to social silencing. Uh, And a big part of the reason for this fear that you can be punished now is what's going on in the workplace. Uh, it's happening in public workplaces, you know, government workplaces, also private sector workplaces. What's going on is that outside activists have made it clear that employees can be fired for expressing anything that a political activist decides is controversial. And unfortunately, employers are unwilling to stand up to this uh, pressure tactic by mm-hmm. outside activists. And so what's resulted is that a very one-sided, highly politicized speech agenda is taking over the private workplace. Are people who maybe don't necessarily subscribe to this wokeness specifically targeted, or is this a matter of if you don't say the progressive woke talking points, then you're targeted? Which one is it, or is it both? Well, it's both, but there's an important random quality here. Uh, The way this works is you could have said something five years ago, and somebody will find it, and they'll jump on it. And five years ago, it might have been a completely non-controversial view held by a lot of people, may still be held by a lot of people. But in today's kind of hypercharged political environment, uh, what was an innocent comment five years ago is all of a sudden tarred and feathered as something Mm. incredibly controversial. And uh, instead of standing up to this, the employers back down. Mm-hmm. And so that means the it's just like sort of a form of political terrorism that's taken over the workplace. You don't know what comment you might have made uh, would trigger something. So as a result, you live in fear that anything you say might trigger something. And it just what it does effectively is just silence speech. Mm-hmm. Do we see that the consequences are social shunning or does it get to as extreme as maybe like a firing over something that is non-politically correct? Oh, no. It's, it's People are getting fired for this all the time. In the last year, we brought four cases defending people who were punished solely because of a political point of view that they expressed mm-hmm. off work. Uh, and they were somebody made an issue out of it, and they were fired. I mean, this is very unusual. Normally, we get one case like this every four years. We got four cases in one year, and mm. it's it's not stopping. 
Uh, we get phone calls, you know, every couple of weeks about somebody mm -hmm. uh, who's been punished. So I don't think people – I mean, a lot of this is operating under the radar because these are sort of, you know, ordinary employees in small workplaces. But it's going on across the country. It's, uh, you know, happening in public workplaces, government workplaces, private sector workplaces. Uh, and, you know, each person who's sort of isolated and punished for their speech really feels like they have no recourse. And so they just sort of, you know – try to crawl under a rock somewhere. And that's where we come in. Mm -hmm. We take these cases, we defend them. There are laws that prohibit um, discrimination on the basis of political viewpoint that cover about 50% of the American workplaces. Mm -hmm. So we enforce those laws. We represent these clients uh, and we try to get you know things reversed, uh, get them their job back or you know their salary or whatever it is. Uh, but what's really needed is we need to new laws to address the 50% of the workplaces that aren't covered. Mm -hmm. um, a good example is, uh, you know, a nearby uh, in um, Howard County, Maryland, uh, they passed a law that makes it illegal uh, for employers to discriminate against employees based on their political viewpoint. Mm -hmm. That's a good law, and we need more laws like that uh, to just make it clear that um, – you know, look, employers and employees have the right to negotiate between themselves about what's appropriate speech on work and off work, mm -hmm. and we don't have any problem with that. But when an outside agitator comes in and tries to disrupt common sense understandings about what's appropriate speech in the workplace and replace those common sense rules with very politicized one-sided rules, we'll step in and we'll litigate that because, uh, that you know, that's really – uh, just not the way the American workplace is supposed to work. Sure. You mentioned that you are in the process of a couple of different cases at the moment. Would you be able to go into one of them to sort of give an example of what this looks like in the real world? Sure. We're representing a uh, vice president of a private corporation in Maryland uh, who had permission from his employer to uh, have an off-work podcast, which he ran with a friend of his. Mm -hmm. Basically, they talked about craft beers and sort of interspersed it with political commentary of sort of what was going on right. during the day. Well, another employee searched through the some 200 podcasts and found a couple of them uh, where this guy – where the two uh, hosts talked about uh, diversity efforts, corporate diversity efforts, which they were critical of, uh, and also talked about uh, hate crimes and mm. hate crime laws, which they were also critical of. Well, this – the disgruntled employee sent an, a company-wide email demanding that this individual be fired. And uh, when that didn't quite work, the employee arranged a walkout with uh, about 15 other employees. And the employer immediately caved, despite the fact that company policy was that employees could have off-work podcasts. And despite the fact that he'd been given explicit permission for his podcast, they fired him in four hours' time. Mm -hmm. uh, well, as I said, Howard County, where this business is located, has a law that prevents discrimination on the basis of political viewpoint. Uh, so we went to bat for this guy, and right now it's you know before the courts, and uh, you know we're we're trying to get this guy restored. I mean, it's somewhat ridiculous that you have to go to court to defend you know the workplace common sense speech policies mm -hmm. that they had in place there, but that's how politicized this this has become. What strikes me as so odd is that the company caved so fast. I guess is that common for a company to just give up? I, I can't imagine that's good for morale when a company will just say. You can be out the door in literally thirty seconds because an disgruntled employee said something you didn't. They didn't like. Well, what's they what's going on here is that HR departments have become increasingly woke, 
And, uh, you know, corporate leaders are afraid of basically Twitter mobs attacking and, you know, destroying the reputation of the company. So there's a zero tolerance policy here that's all of a sudden come into play, you know, without any announcement or preparation. And so employees now, I mean, basically what it is is um, uh, the, the employers uh, now, you know, are highly sensitive to outside criticism and outside activists know this. And so they prey on these companies and they basically threaten uh, to expose them for being racist if mm. they don't go along with whatever the you know, activist wants. So that's what we're dealing with. It's, it's, it's a political pressure tactic. So it's a political pressure tactic from the employees who have a political agenda or is it more from outside activists who want to make sure that corporations are towing leftist woke ideology? Well, it's a combination. This is driven by outside activists. And in the case that we're representing, an individual uh, was an employee who picked up the woke activism of the outside activists and pushed for it inside the company. Um, and as I said, you know, HR departments these days are injecting identity politics and all sorts of workplace policies, including speech policies, so that what was acceptable six months ago is not acceptable now. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a moving target. Employees who are used to a collegial workplace where that tolerates people with different, you know, off-work views and off-work religious, you know, practices, all of a sudden are finding themselves blindsided by a new political reality with no – uh, no way to really know what they're going to get hit for next. Mm -hmm. That's really the terrible thing here. So we are looking at this relatively new phenomenon that seems to be unpopular with the American public. I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier, yes. that Americans are responding negative to this. Could you go a little bit more in depth about what Americans are thinking about? Well, I think the the focus of their concern is the loss of civil liberties. Everybody understands the First Amendment. Everybody understands the ordinary understanding they used to govern workplaces, which is that we all work together regardless of our off-work political views or religious views. Now, all of a sudden, that's turned 180 degrees. It's upside down now. Uh, so you can be punished. Um, you, you know, it's no longer the case that you tolerate people with different views. Now you go after them and you try to expose them and you try to get them fired. And unfortunately, the employers are not standing up to this. They're not. What employers should do is really insist that their employees uh, focus on getting the job done. Uh, look, we don't, you know, we come to work. We work with people who have different religious views, different uh, political views, but we're, but that's okay. I mean, we're, we're at work to get a job done. We're not, we work to be members of the same church. If employers would enforce that common sense view of the workplace, uh, you know, we'd be in good shape. But unfortunately, due to woke pressure from the outside, uh, they've panicked and mm -hmm. they've thrown what was you know, longstanding sensible speech policies out the window in favor of highly politicized speech policies that really enforce political conformity. And that's, you know, it's bad for these companies and it's bad for the country. How essential do you think Americans view getting this type of behavior out of corporations and out of the workplace? Well, I mean, uh, you know, in a recent poll, um, you know, of, of voter sentiment, it turns out that fear over the laws or concern over the loss of civil liberties outranks crime and education as mm. issues of voter concern. That's unheard of. I mean, concern for civil liberties never shows up in, uh, you know, voter concern polls, and now it's ahead of crime and education. So I think that gives an indication that people are worried about this. They understand that understandings they used to have, uh, you know, workplace policies that people used to accept and understand are out the window. 
and nobody knows what's replacing those. Mm -hmm. So it's a very kind of random political environment now where you can be attacked for anything you say. There's no safe harbor here. Something you said five years ago could be made into something very controversial now, and you could lose your job in 24 hours notice. And people understand that that is you know, that's that's not good for them. It's not good for the workplace and it's not good for the country. Does this ever happen the other way around where somebody who maybe works and says something pretty liberal or pretty woke will get fired from their job? Does that ever happen or is this pretty much exclusively the other way? Well, in our experience right now, it's very one-sided. Uh, this is being managed and brought by the left as an attack on the right. And the general, the large political goal here is to just uh, marginalize uh, political conservatives, so they can't express their views at work or off work. I mean, so that's, I mean, that's what the larger strategy is. I think what's new and surprising about this is the rapidity with which it's invaded the American workplace. It used to be that the key to a successful workplace was toleration of people's off work views. Now it's 180 degrees the opposite. You have to worry about everything you say mm. on work or off work. And people don't like that. And yes, they are concerned about it. You mentioned a couple laws specifically in Maryland that are positive steps, right? Are we seeing that there is either any federal or state efforts to combat wokeness in the workplace? Uh, I would say that at this point, uh, the, 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 you know, there there's, hasn't been a big move to adopting these laws. It's happened in different places. But I think uh, legislators are just now waking up to this problem, and there are laws that they could pass that have been successfully used in certain jurisdictions. And what we think ought to happen here is, they need, is that they be adopted in a greater number of jurisdictions. But I wouldn't characterize it as a you know, full-scale movement at this point. Mm -hmm. As we begin to wrap up here, I always like to give the listeners sort of a sense of like, hey, what can I do as a call to action? What can people who aren't in positions of legislative power, or maybe who aren't even corporate heads, like who don't have that like uh, institutional power at their corporations to fix things. What can the everyday American do to counter wokeness in their workplaces? Look, I mean, I think the most important thing now is for people to stand up to this. And there are plenty of ways people can stand up. If they see it happening in their workplace, they can raise the issue and say, this is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. Uh, if they know of instances where people have, have, you know, have lost their job or been fired, uh, they can put them in touch with organizations like the Center for Individual Rights. We'll go to bat and we will enforce the law you know, on these individuals' behalf. So I think it's important that collectively Americans stand up to this and say no. Mm -hmm. And what form that takes, it, it, you know, it matters less than we attack this on all fronts. That's the only way. Uh, I mean, this is bullying. It's classic mm. bullying coming from the left. And the only way to deal with a bully is to stand up to them. And there are plenty of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. So are there other sort of ways that maybe in the workplace while they're dealing with it at the moment that they can say, stop, this isn't going to be a thing anymore? Or is it just a matter of saying, like, stop enough times? Uh, well, it's partly stop enough times. It's also partly getting employers to stand up to this. Employers need to understand that if you let this go once, you're asking for more and more trouble down the road. You're basically allowing outside activists to take over your workplace and replace whatever sensible speech policies you might have had in place with very politicized workplace speech policies. The, you know, you will, an employer who allows this to happen is vulnerable to any disgruntled employee who decides they want to get rid of a coworker. And once you allow this to happen once, you're going to face other instances of this. So I think 
the key actor here who's got to step up to the plate are the employers who've got to return to a common sense view of the workplace as a place where Americans learn to tolerate people with different off-work political views, different off-work religious practices. Uh, that's how you build a strong workforce. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't willing to invest in that kind of a workforce, you're just asking for big expenses, lawsuits, and employee dissension down the road. It's just not going to be a very pleasant place for your employees to work. Mm. Excellent. That was Terry Pell, president at the Center for Individual Rights. Terry, very much appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And please leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and please encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.